One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, is a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good, and it could be again. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. Welcome to another episode of Stat Stories, where we take a deeper dive in statistical intrigue throughout professional sports. Now with MLB coverage, this is our first MLB podcast episode because MLB stat searches are now live on statmuse.com. So if you haven't checked that out, please hit up the site and run some, some searches yourself. My name is Chad Shanks. I had very little to do with building that actual search platform, but I want to acknowledge some people on our team that did, like Adam and Jay and Ricky and Patrick, and also my podcast co-host, Mr. Justin Kabatko. Justin, Will you please accept thanks on, on behalf of the world for the StatMuse Major League Baseball product? We graciously accept your thanks, and we look forward to more platitudes in the future from you. Oh, I will give them. That's all I'm here for. Professional ass kisser. But one of the things that you can do on StatMuse now is to search home run stats, which is, of course, as soon as I got into it, that's what you want to start searching is home runs. That's the, that's the big ticket seller in baseball is the homer and you can see right now in this season 2016 everyone's talking about the record home run pace that home runs are flying out of the ballparks this season at a pace that hasn't been seen since 2000 which of course was the height of what's known as the steroids era in baseball and anytime there's a bump in power anytime a baseball player starts you know improving their game drastically there's always that just cloud of doubt that comes in over major league baseball because of this era and so well it's today, either it's either it's either drugs or it's uh, a loaded ball right one of the two it's it's either the ball is juiced or the yeah, players are juiced or a, or a sammy sosa corked bat or sammy sosa is like all of the above pretty much but i don't want to talk about sammy sosa today let's talk i do want to talk about a man who i think we have to either to thank or to blame for that doubt that has just been cast all over baseball. And a guy that I don't think gets either the proper credit or blame that he should in baseball history for, for what he did by his his immaculate confession, or I don't know what we're gonna call it, but his, his confession in 2002 that kind of I liked Immaculate Confession, open. that was good. That was yeah, good. we'll call it the immaculate, the immaculate Confession that is of Ken Caminetti, Major League Baseball's heroic villain. Let's do it. So I grew up in the Houston area. When I was about seven or eight years old, that's when Ken Caminetti had, he was coming around with the Houston Astros. And I just loved him as a kid because he didn't, crushed the ball. He didn't hit a whole lot of home runs. He didn't have the power of the offense, but the dude just played with heart. And I remember 
so many times, so many plays that he made where there was a line drive hit down the third baseline. He sacrificed his body, rolled over on his ass, and chunked it across the diamond to get the out. You know, and he did that multiple times. He was just that that grinder type of player. And he had a few a few good years there in Houston. His debut game was awesome. He hit a home run and a triple in his first career game. I don't know how many players have actually ever done that, but all the while, there were problems. He admitted having alcohol problems as early as 1994. Then in 1995, he admitted that he had become addicted to painkillers while with the Astros, and his career was just riddled with injury. But one of the things we knew even back then was that this was a guy that injuries did not stop him. He was going to man up and he was going to play no matter what was falling off of his body, no matter what had become disconnected, he was out there. And so he's traded to the Padres in a big trade, a massive trade, like 12 player trade or something like that, where he and Steve Finley end up going to the Padres. And it worked out pretty well for the Padres. They were in the World Series a few years later. But before that, Caminetti uh, in the 1996 season, all of a sudden, crushed 40 home runs. He went from 26 the year before. And then when he was in Houston, he never hit over 20. But all of a sudden, 1996. He's a 40 home run, 130 RBI guy and goes to, he's the unanimous NL MVP. Right now, if that happened to a player today, it's instant suspicion. Like that's all people are going to talk about. Even with, to stay with the Astros theme, uh, Jose Altuve's had a jump in home runs this year and Rob Dibble made, um, you know, made some social waves the other night by criticizing him, like questioning if Jose Altuve is on steroids. But although back you know in Altuve time, is still young, so there's like the this this sort of thing where is it improvement or is it something else? So with him, I think you have to give him the benefit of the doubt and say it's just a young player continuing to prove his game. Caminiti was doing this, I think, in the MVP was maybe in his tenth season in Major League Baseball, so he had been around yeah, a while. Ninth he was, season, yeah. He, he was a veteran, um, so. Actually, I think it was his 10th. I think he started in 87, then the MLP was 96. Yeah, yeah, So All right, anyway, it done. either way. Um, yeah, so he'd been in the league for a while. So it wasn't like this just gradual incline in numbers. It just came out of just nowhere. And, of course, the, the suspicion on Jose Altuve, which is stupid, as you said, but the suspicion on anyone nowadays is due to what happened a couple years after Caminetti was named NL MVP. And he still leads, like, if you look at his searches on StatMuse right now, he's still the career leader or near the leader for the Padres in a lot of their big power categories, like slugging and um, OPS. But after he had that little, those few years with the Padres, things just went downhill for him. In 2000, he spent 30 days in rehab to battle dependency on alcohol and Vicodin. He was arrested in 2001 for cocaine possession and eventually had to retire in 2001, which is coincidentally the year Barry Bonds hit 73 home runs, which as I think we all are pretty sure now that that was, that was aided pharmaceutically just a little bit. Things didn't get any better. 2002, he fails a drug test, which violated his parole. He spends four and a half months in jail, fails even more drug tests, and then is found dead of an overdose-related heart attack at age 41 in New York City after taking a speedball of cocaine and heroin. 
But before all that happened, he spoke to Tom Verducci of Sports Illustrated. This was in 2002, where he admitted during his MVP season in 1996 to taking steroids and because he had a torn rotator cuff. And he was going to have to shut it down for the season and didn't want to do that. But he, and he heard about how the steroids could not only make you stronger and hit the ball further, but they help you with healing and you know things like that, recovery. So he goes down, he's playing in San Diego, which, hey, Tijuana's just right there. Let's just hop in a car, drive down to Tijuana. You can buy anything you want there. And so he did. Buys the steroids, injects you them, sa- You sound like back. you're speaking from experience here. Yes, I've, <laughs> I go, go you to do Tijuana live in Texas. all the time. You do live in Texas. Yeah, but that's, this is curious. Yeah, but Tijuana's like the, the California side No, I know where that, that is. That would take forever. You're close. No, I'm not. I've, the only times I've been to Mexico, a plane have taken me taking me to the middle of Mexico. I don't go anywhere near the uh, the border towns. But in 1996, maybe it was maybe that was a different age where you could just drive over there and buy whatever you wanted. Anyway, this that's not the that's like a, a NPR type podcast. If you want to hear about everything you can drive into Mexico and buy, go listen to uh, this American Life or something. I'm sure they have some story of somebody who does crazy things. But all the only crazy things I know about are Ken Caminetti and when he came back being the the type of competitor that he he said to have been you're supposed to inject these things like in variants like you're supposed to go like six months on six months off and like pace yourself with these things right because they're very dangerous but king caminetti was just like this i'm gonna just inject all of them all the time more than i'm supposed to and the result was hey guess what it worked the only reason anyone ever risks their their lives and their careers for this is because it works and the dude was crushing 40 home runs a year, in which he had never done before. No, well, he had one season with 40. He wasn't popping out 40 every single year. I think his, his, like he hit 40 one year, but then he never hit more than 29 in any other season. Yeah, and so that, but when he started the specific steroid regimen, it was coincidentally the season that he, he jumps up to 40. But it was his admitting it years later that really kind of, got the ball rolling in the MLB actually doing something to address what seemingly everyone knew what was going on at the time in baseball, but but no one admitted it, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the people that covered the game had to know that something fishy was going on, right? Because you were just seeing numbers that hadn't been put up since the 20s and 30s. And it was just remarkable. I can remember as a kid, um, so I started following baseball very closely in 1979. My team was the Pirates. They won the World Series that year. I haven't won since. Anyway, and so... Coincidence? Yeah. From that point on until, I think it was 1990, there was not a 50 50 home run hitter. Um, so Cecil Fielder, I think, hit 51 in 1990. And that was like the first 50 home run guy I can remember. George Foster had done it in 77, but I really wasn't paying attention to the game then. Um, and then starting in like 95, I think, 95 to 2002. In that eight-season span, there were like 17 seasons of 50 or more home runs. So it was like just just a ridiculous, some ridiculous numbers were being posted. And it was very fishy. But the problem, and, and, but nobody was, was looking into it, right? I mean, so like you, you have this explosion in offensive numbers, 
and yet no one's really looking into it. They're talking about things like smaller ballparks and pitchers aren't as good as they used to be and weightlifting and... Raising and lowering the mound. Right, no, but I'm, yeah, what I'm saying, so they, they seem to talk about everything except um, chemically-aided performance. And they say, like they say now, and everyone that's come out and talked about it, that all the players knew what was going on. And, like, they knew and they could tell who was who was juicing and who was on it, and that even, like, Caminetti got caught a couple times where, um, like, a, his bag would spill out and, like, vials would ro- roll out of it. Or he they would have, you know, players would just come in and they just have bags full of different pills for every everything imaginable. But no one said anything. No one did anything about it, even though it was obvious to everyone what was going on. And they actually, the year before Caminetti admitted that, that he had used them, and he was the first like high-profile player that actually came out and admitted it before, before that, um, they had the collective bargaining with the the players union before and they had turned down any type of drug testing because they said it violated players civil rights or civil liberties the year before and then after Caminetti's confession the very next year they have the the first policy introduced that started the drug testing and now to baseball's credit it's supposed to be one of the most stringent drug testing policies that there is but I don't, and and that's kind of where I want to. That's the background for the discussion. I think that we want to have is, do, a does anyone even remember this? When you remember the steroid era, does anyone even remember Ken Caminetti's role in kind of bringing it to light or bringing it down? Because when I think back at it, when you hear like casual fans talk about that time, it's always. Bonds and Clemens and Paul Mero and the the guys who were a McGuire, big part of the McGuire, the Mitchell report and all that kind of stuff, but like none of that would have happened if it wasn't for Caminetti, if he hadn't admitted it. So how do we view Ken Caminetti? Did his confession did it save baseball from itself or did it destroy baseball by formally bringing to light what was going on i have no idea i mean i i guess possibly an answer to that is he temporarily destroyed it in order to rebuild it so that it was much stronger than it had been before i know it from what they said the stories there's a story in um that was in bleacher report of uh, i'm forgetting the author's name um uh, like a legit report reporter not like a bleach, like a at-home blogger or something like that but who did this piece about like Caminetti's life and talk to his family and stuff. We'll link to it in the in the blog. It's a really good piece, but it talks about how kind of it destroyed him. Like it, the after the confession, he was blackballed, and baseball players that you know were his friends, you know, didn't talk to him, didn't want anything to do with him because he was the traitor. He was the the whistleblower. The they killed you know killed the messenger, and I guess that kind of literally happened with him, but. Yeah, it wasn't. He definitely wasn't seen as a hero at the time, and I still don't even think he's anywhere viewed towards that. Because can you view someone as a hero who did something that? It's not. I mean, we say yeah, yes, he did bad things. He did. He did steroids, which are illegal, and he had the addiction to drugs that eventually cost him his life. Yes, he did bad things, but 
you know, the grand scheme of all the things you can do in, in a lifetime, there, there are definitely worse crimes you can do. But saying that, can you look at Ken Caminetti and con- consider him a, a hero of, of baseball? Was it a good thing that he sacrificed his own reputation to, to bring about this change? I mean, are you sure that you can pin all this change on him? Like he was the genesis of all that? I'm not sure if that's true. That seems like you're giving him way too much credit. It seemed that at the, the turn of the century, in other words, when the 2000s started, it seemed like people were starting to ask questions. They were no longer just willing to to look over some of the the things that were probably going on, actually were going on. And so I don't know if it's correct to say that Kennedy was the one who sort of started all this. I think he may have helped speed up the process, but he I don't think he should be looked at as some sort of uh, pioneer. I think that's giving him too much credit. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, maybe that is giving him too much credit, but I do think his, his whistleblower status did actually bring about real change. And in reading up about it, uh, like I said, the year before the union had rejected PED testing and then the very next meeting after his confession, it was it was instituted. And then both Bud Selig, then commissioner, and um, Rob Manfred, who's now the commissioner, who was then the senior VP of business and blah, 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 something like that. He was like the negotiator for them. They both acknowledged Caminetti afterwards in like roundabout ways saying like raising public awareness or something like that and that someone asked Bud Selig about it and says does Caminetti deserve some credit and he's he's like did it play a role unequivocally that's like the the quote from him but what were they supposed to say at that that time I mean they're gonna look like assholes and say oh no we we didn't care we were gonna we were gonna do this anyway you know it's just a coincidence that he happened to speak up and be a former MVP who admitted that his entire season is now tainted and when you look back, a lot of that era is, is just tainted. And we, we talked a little bit offline about baseball purists hate this. And they hate when people bring this up and want to keep harping on it. But I think it's important because, especially with what we're seeing now, like when we open with the home runs going up, that everything in baseball now is, is looked at suspiciously. You know, so I don't think we should view... Caminetti is like a martyr for the game, you know. Ken Cam like Ken Caminetti died so baseball could live. Like we shouldn't nothing that extreme. I think to just kind of gloss over the the shriveled up balls it took to admit to the world what was going on at that time. I mean, if there's any, if there's anything we should praise him for for his his life, what what did he accomplish? I mean, he did. He changed baseball, and that's is it for the better or for the worse. And of course, like you said, there are other factors. It wasn't it wasn't just that when Caminetti confessed it, no one just went, huh? Like everyone knew it was going on, but it was swept under the rug. And Caminetti finally coming out, I think, just blew it open to where baseball, it put baseball, Major League Baseball, in a position to where they had to act. They could no longer ignore it anymore. So one thing I was thinking about that we kind of hit on a little bit before was how do we view Ken Caminetti the man, right? If we're going to say that what he did was in any way heroic for baseball or sacrificial for baseball with everything that he did in his life, I mean, can we still give him that that honor? And one thing that kind of 
took me aback was when I was researching all this was seeing that he just recently was posthumously inducted into the San Diego Padres Hall of Fame. And my, my instant thought when I saw it, and I'm not saying it was this was the right thought to have, but my instant thought was, why the hell did you do that? Like, why would you put this guy in your team Hall of Fame when you know that pretty much everything he accomplished while he was there was is now surrounded by this this dark cloud right or it's all it has a giant asterisk next to it you know why would they why would they do that but i guess you have to kind of stop and take a you know you can't judge a person by just the mistakes that they've made in their in their life like me of all people with you know how you and i came to to know each other you know i don't i don't like it when a person is judged they're all, all the whole I don't like it when the whole of a person is judged by, you know, the mistakes that they may have made. Now, granted, if you want, if you're a murderer or a rapist or something like that, well, that that's a little bit different. Okay, but, but yeah, you're an emoji it. horse murderer, so I mean, there's that. That is true. That is true. And I don't want that. I don't want people if if I get inducted into the the Stat Muse Company Hall of Fame one day, I don't want people. The first thing they say is like, "Oh, well, but he did this stupid thing once upon a time." And Ken Caminetti did a stupid thing once upon a time. So I don't know. It's kind of that, and that's how we're trying to judge all these players of that era as they're all getting left out of the Hall of Fame. And the argument for putting them in is, well, they were the best among that time when everyone was using. So the playing field was somewhat equal. I'm not saying that's a good argument, but that's the argument that's made. Well, I'm going to go off on a tangent here because I hate... The, the whole Baseball Hall of Fame thing. I hate how the voters have decided to be these moral arbiters. And they seem to have this power to deduce whether or not a player was a steroid user or not. You know, oh, well, somebody saw acne on Mike Piazza's back. He must have been a user. I'm not going to vote for him. Oh, Ken Griffey Jr., no one ever said anything bad about him. I'm going to vote for him. Like, how do they know that Griffey never used steroids? I'm not saying he did. I have no idea. But like, I, I don't like how they seem to have this, they, they seem to have this confidence in themselves where they and they alone can determine whether or not a player was a steroid user or not. And it's, it's kind of ridiculous. To me, you do one of two things. You either decide, I will vote for no one from that era because I can't figure out who was a user and who was not, right? Or you say, I'm going to vote for these players from that era. I'm going to compare them to their peers. So, so someone like Bonds, yes, he was a user. But he was so ridiculously above his peers at that time that I don't see how you could withhold a vote from him if you're just going to judge him based on his performance compared to others at his time. You know what I mean? I, I really don't like this, this thing where Jeff Bagwell doesn't get in, but Frank Thomas does get in. It just doesn't seem fair. Yeah, and like Bagwell's never been named in any Mitchell reports or anything like that, but... He was a hulking beast man in the 90s who, you know, guilt by association because he was teammates with Caminetti and then later Roger Clemens and Andy Pettit and these other guys who had been, you know, caught using. So what would you do? Like, you're, all right, you're Justin Kabatko. You have if I had a vote, Hall of fame vote. I just yeah. it wouldn't matter to me. I wouldn't care. Like I would like I would do what I just said. I would compare the guys to the players he played against and vote on them based on that. I would not take steroids into account at all. Well, I think initially I was on your side when 
Maguire, whoever was like the first big name coming up from this era, I was like, no, screw that guy. He's a cheater. You should never acknowledge it. But now as you're years and years into it, when you see that every name that's coming up, you're having this this same debate. And maybe at some point you just got to say, yeah, it is what it is. It happened. That's that's the way that it was at that time. And these guys were still the best, the best of the bunch. So one of the things that really bugs me, too, is like there will be people that say they're voting for Barry Bonds for the Hall of Fame because he was a Hall of Fame player before the steroids. And my question to them would be, how do you know he didn't use steroids in the early 90s? How do you know that for a fact? Right. And so they had a human sized head. Have you ever seen uh, like some of these track athletes that have been busted for PEDs? They don't look like the Incredible Hulk. Did Lance Armstrong look like the Incredible Hulk? I mean, yeah. you, you, or all the middle relievers that are getting busted still. Right, you you can't you can't determine whether or not a guy is a hall or a hall of famer. <laughs> you can't determine whether or not a guy is a steroid user based on his or her physical appearance. It's silly. So I mean, you oh, can't. Oh God, you, some of them, some of them though. God, you really can. You can that whole don't judge a book by its cover. That's there should be an asterisk by that statement because you can look. Look at uh, young Ken Caminetti, then look at Caminetti on the Padres, and like, oh, yeah, like, something's changed. Or, like, when an adult male has, when their skull changes shape, when they're 33 years old, like, certain things like that, if you have any understanding of human biology at all, then, yeah, you can kind of... You can take a look at it, but I get what you're saying. No, yeah, I, I, your, I'm your playing point, devil's yeah, a little bit. Your point is well taken. I mean, mine was more the fact that just because a guy is lean and muscular, but not like cartoonish muscular, you can't just say, well, he wasn't a steroid user, right? I mean, like, like I brought up the example of Griffey earlier or Young Bonds. Just because they were, they were um, smaller doesn't mean they weren't using at the time. And once again, I'm not saying that either of those guys used when they were younger. Or Griffey used it all. I'd have no idea. Oh, man, that would hurt me. Like, there's certain athletes that were if they were like childhood heroes and something like that comes out then it kind of hurts you a little bit griffey was i loved him as a kid too so if it ever came out that he was that he was dirty that that would hurt me because he's like the one he's like the one we have left from that era who was hitting 50 home runs a season and never had anything pinned on him like he was the he was the hope of that era of the the pure talent and work ethic that was just the super athlete that we can worship and it wasn't pharmaceutically enhanced. If something ever came out with him, it it would crush me. Yeah. And I mean, the way he tailed off at the end of his career, that's more of a, a normal decline, right? I mean, you don't, you don't normally see guys having their peak seasons in their mid thirties, late thirties. And Griffey did not have that. Griffey had his best seasons in his late twenties probably and then once he turned 30 it was kind of a slow decline and especially the Cincinnati days where he wasn't really the player he was in Seattle um you know that was normal all the all the running into outfield walls and playing 162 games a year and whatnot that all took its toll and he aged as most players do yeah unlike you have Roger Clemens who turned 40 and won 20 games in a season I don't know if that's exactly right but you get the the gist of it but part of me kind of you want to put yourself in their shoes a little bit like with Caminetti you can kind of understand 
why he did what he did because all the players that they've been they've interviewed now like we said they they knew that everyone was doing it and they would see a guy that hit 10 home runs in one year juiced up hit 25 30 home runs and then got a 40 million dollar contract after that and in baseball it's guaranteed so once you sign that contract like that's your money regardless of what happens so you know i can imagine these guys sitting around and saying well you know everyone else is doing it and they're getting all this money for it like i as i get older and i can understand that a little more and how it's not just black and white about cheaters and non-cheaters you can kind of understand the human element in it and how bad decisions get made and that doesn't justify it by by any means but if someone told me hey you take this thing right here and it's gonna it's gonna do things to your balls and it's gonna make you like really angry at times but your performance is gonna increase so much that status yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll be awesome on you'll twitter you'll be awesome on you'll be the right? best you'll be the like you you take this drug you inject this right here you will write the shit out of some blog posts and you will get a $40 million raise from StatMuse. And all you have, you know, just minor side effects that could ultimately lead to your death. Like there's a chance, someone said, 40, you get $40 million, but there's a chance you'll die of a heart attack. I'll be like, what's that chance? Like, what's the, what's the percentage that I'm already going to die of a heart attack? How much does that increase? And let me, you know, let me weigh these odds. And these guys were doing, doing this, but on a, a real life scale. I think you your know, wife would be in the background. Imaginary. Take the deal. Take the deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she'd be happy. She'd she'd start be asked you like, does Statmuse offer life insurance policy? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Just in, inject once or twice. Let's see what happens. But these guys, I mean, we laugh about it, but that's really the types of decisions that they that they had to make. You know, and I can't really say that I that I fault them, especially when everyone was doing it and it see it had to have seen at the time that no one was ever going to get caught for it and then our man Kemenetti blew the lid off of that let me ask you a question about him so because i brought up lance armstrong earlier who i despise but so when when Kemenetti, so he came out and he he gives this tell-all to verducci prior to that had there been any like uh interactions with reporters or anybody else where he like strongly denied using steroids or he you know he was like no i would never do anything like that it, did you did you come across anything like that because that was the thing no. that, that really riled me up about armstrong was that he was so adamant that he was innocent and he destroyed so many lives of people who were close to him just to maintain this aura of innocence it just drove me crazy i'm just wondering if caminetti did anything similar no, I, not that I saw researching it. I don't remember it. I, I think, like I said, the the problem with him is that everything, everything that I've read about him from friends and family and teammates and stuff, like they loved him, like he was that he was such a great teammate and such a good guy. Like did stuff in the community, always giving things like that. Sure, some of that might be a little bit of don't speak ill of the dead, uh, you know, because for some reason if. And if an asshole dies, all of a sudden he's not an asshole anymore. You can't admit it. Uh, I'm not saying that's the the case specifically, but from what I saw, everything about him seemed that he that he was a, a decent man. And I'm sure towards the end, it seemed his wife ended up. They said divorcing him because you know 
for her own benefit and the benefit of their daughters because he was he was a drug addict there at the end and that just takes over your life and never saw anything about him being abusive or a bad father or anything like that we can assume but that's all it is is assumptions but the problem with all of that is is that you can't just like throw him in this in Caminetti specifically in this boat of, of being like a bad dude you can't say oh well he he took these steroids because he was a piece of shit, or he was a drug addict because he was just an awful person he deserved what happened to him that's not the case at all and when you look at other players like Rafael Palmero who was you know pointing at Congress you know deny 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 and you know in that threatening type of tone and then it comes comes back later like oh yep guess what he was a liar like Caminetti for at least if you're going to give him some credit was was honest about his mistakes and opened up about it and one thing that was interesting too a quote from Verducci uh, later on was saying that Caminetti never admitted to him why he did it like why he confessed like he never he never came out and said that he felt guilty about it or he wanted to hold himself accountable and hopefully like public scrutiny would help him with his addictions or no he didn't say anything like that that he just kind of he did it and Verducci talked about after whenever he admitted Caminetti admitted to him in the story and then they went and ate at this diner and Caminetti's just sitting there calmly just going oh so this this will probably be a big story huh like just <laughs> yeah like little, I don't know a little bit I don't even know if if he knew is is big of an effect that that it would have so and i guess that's kind of this my idea for wanting to discuss this is how do you actually classify him how do you remember him as a man how do you remember him for his overall okay i'm going to interject MLB here for legacy? a second cuz you're touching on something that i don't like at all and that's that we try to judge the character of an athlete based on a very limited set of of knowledge, limited um, amount of knowledge, right? I mean, like, how many athletes have been talked about as these great guys, good community guys, good team guys, and then, you know, a few months later, you hear about them getting arrested um, or something like that, right? I just, it's really, like, unless you really spend time with someone, I don't see how you can judge the quality of their character. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, no, I totally get that. But, like, so on the one side of that argument, these guys, regardless of what Charles Barkley 1991 commercials say, they are role models, and people do look up to them, and that's we've put them in that place in society. Whether or not they deserve it is a completely other discussion. But they are. They are elevated members of society. Their, their words are important, and most of them, frankly, aren't able or willing to even handle that kind of responsibility so yeah i see what you're i see what you're saying i definitely get that argument and as someone who's been around professional athletes when there's no cameras rolling around they they are normal people for better or for worse they have the same the same flaws and the same good and bad days like we do the only thing is you know bad day for them you know, might involve them losing hundreds of millions of dollars, or is that something I can never even fathom? Um, yes, I, I I get that argument, but at the same time, kind of kind of like shrug at it and say, yeah, but that that's kind of the way that it is. Until until we stop like propping them up in this situation, then we're gonna have to 
see them that way and that they're, they're public yeah but we're starting and, here we're starting here and we're saying we're not going to do that anymore we're not going to put these guys on a pedestal we're going to enjoy the fact that they entertain us and but we're not going to make judgments about what a great or horrible person they are just based on the limited things we hear in the press yeah that's true yeah i mean it goes out saying neither of us knew him personally but i think when you i think it's Im- almost impossible to talk about a player's legacy within the sport without taking those types of things into consideration like when you like Barry Bonds is always the way he treated the media and the way how he was just kind of hostile for all those years I mean that kind of goes into how people view him today I mean it's 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 kind of impossible not to in the in the era that we live in and especially nowadays when so many players are putting themselves out there on social media and stuff and we saw that we saw like the good and bad side of this and the 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 saga with the curries over the last um year or so when you know everything they did putting themselves out there was golden and people loved them and his wife and his kids and his hilarious daughter and then this last finals when things started going bad and his wife's chirping and accusing the nba of being rigged and things like that you can see how people can turn on them like that but that's that's now part of it. They're, your personality and even your family and your kids become become involved in it. And I don't say that I don't say that that's right. I would like to be able to say that every judgment that or not ju- maybe judgment's a strong word, but like the opinions that we form about athletes when we discuss them, there there is an underpinning of what we know about them personally that goes into it, and that works for them in a good way too. That's Steph, you know, gets commercials and endorsements because he's so likable uh, lots of athletes the same the same thing their personality their their quirks or thing like that that those are marketable assets and it's kind of they're i kind of think it's fair game as something to as something to discuss oh i'm not no i'm not so i'm not saying we shouldn't discuss it what my point was just basically though that we can't ever really know someone's heart that's true you know that's very true and that, so I think so. I think, I think it's fine, like for you to say Barry Bonds was an a hole to the press, because by all accounts he was. Now, does that mean that Barry was really a horrible person? I really have no idea. You know, maybe he just the press annoyed him, and that was the way he he lashed out. I don't know. I don't know if he's an awful person or not. I do know he was a jerk to people. Now, whether or not that makes him a truly horrible human being, I really can't make that judgment. Yeah. No, I totally get that. And then, but the reason I ask it with Cam and Andy specifically is because it it, it kind of ties into it. Because part of me wants to say, like I've hinted at, that, you know, he's a whistleblowing hero and that he, that he changed the game. But you can't, you can't, like, throw blanket statements like that at somebody without, without considering, you know, the bad with the good and that, if you're going to call Caminetti a, a hero that shows that you're accepting or dismissive or whatever about everything that came along with it, all the injections, all the, the cocaine and the, the drugs and the, the stress that I'm sure he calls caused his friends and family and the, the ultimate loss that they have to feel with him, with him gone. So, I mean, maybe, maybe kind of, maybe what we're coming to is, it, it's not the clean, sexy ending, maybe that I would have liked, but it's more of a human ending. Is that 
when I try to say how should we remember Ken Caminetti? Is he is he is he a baseball hero? Is he a baseball villain? And like most things in life, it's kind of too complicated to just throw him into one side or the other. Wait, but don't tell Twitter or Facebook that. That's there's yeah. There, I mean, I still, there, there's I not st- a lot. There's no gray allowed. There can only be black. I know. I still need a white. really catchy headline. I need. I mean, we need the catchy headline and the nice flashy image, and so people can make their you know, come to their own conclusions without really reading or considering or listening to anything that we have to say. But one thing I do want to say, if, when we talk about Ken Caminetti, if we want to say what his legacy is in baseball or whatever you want to phrase it, I know this is, it's kind of a trite discussion, but it is, I think it is, it is worth bringing up because of what, what's happening in baseball and how baseball has been forever scarred by this, by this era. I remember hearing this uh, stand-up bit by Daniel Tosh, like pre-Tosh.0, like back when he, I thought he was still pretty funny. Uh, he had this stand-up bit talking about steroids in baseball, and he joked about saying, he's like, oh, well, I, I want them to be on steroids. I want them to be juiced-up monsters that crush the ball out of the park. I think pro athletes should be forced to use steroids. I think we as fans deserve the greatest athletes science can create. Let's go. Anything that will make you run faster, jump higher. I have high-definition TV. I want my athletes like my video games. Let's go. I could care less if you die at 40. You hate life after sports anyway. I'm doing you a favor. And there's a certain part of humanity, I think, that would side with him and saying, yeah, what do we care if they're if they're hulked up monsters? Like, we just want to, we just want to see these athletic feats. Like, you hear, like, entertain me, fool. But like we saw with Ken Caminetti, if we're going to be in a, a decent functioning society that you can't really ignore what people are doing to themselves because they talked about with Caminetti specifically, he injected so many steroids that his body just stopped producing testosterone naturally. And part of the side effects of that was depression and other types of mood changes that he started self-medicating with the other drugs that ultimately led to his death. So we're going to say that, you know, steroids is not a victimless crime, you know, because with Caminetti specifically, it's, it, you're making a roundabout judgment there. I get that. You're not saying that him using steroids is what eventually killed him. That's not what I'm trying to say, but I'm trying to say that there are real human consequences to this apart from we joked about shriveling balls and that's yeah that's one of them and that he did talk about that too that his balls disappeared he said they disappeared like that to me that would be enough to stop to to stop using anything that made my balls disappear but there are real consequences and i think caminetti not only for the for the legacy of the game or for the the purity of the game of baseball what confessing and then his ultimate death kind of brought to light the real human consequences of this and we as a society can't sit back and just say well we don't care what's what you're doing to yourself as long as we're having a good time watching it see i don't have a good time watching it if i know that something is fishy i don't enjoy it like for example i'm a runner i love to run um and i love to watch running at the olympics all the running events and I want to see what a human being is capable of just through training, right? I I don't want to see who's the best because they have the best chemists and the best doctors who shoot them up with this stuff. Like, I don't want that. I want to know 
that what I'm watching is something that was produced by a human being through sheer effort and determination. Does that sound corny? That, that's what I want though. Like I don't want to see, I don't want to just be entertained. I want to be entertained by people who are human beings, not people who are these chemically aided monsters. Yeah, and that's the 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 very idealistic, hopeful way to look at that we all that we all want it to be like. But the moment money enters the occasion, that's when it changes everything. And I don't think any of these any of these guys are putting their bodies at risk. Some of them maybe just to say I'm the best ever at baseball, but a, a lot of it has to do with with money and. We joked earlier, you'd do, what would you do? What would you do right now? What incremental risks to your health would you take if it meant you became a multimillionaire? Yeah, you know, you've, heard, you've heard the saying, though, never make a decision solely based on money, right? Yeah, that is very, that's very true. But a lot of times you don't realize that until, it, until it's too late. But one, one thing I do want to ask is, well, as we close up, as we close up this argument, Maybe maybe I'm wrong on this. Maybe I'm crazy. You you always will tell me if you think that I'm wrong about something. But looking back on this era of baseball and you know Caminetti and his death and what baseball did to have to make adjustments to kind of like try to save the future of their sports, it kind of reminds me of what the NFL is going through right now with all the the focus on the head injuries of the players and things like that, and we see. Um, situation like with Junior Seau, who lost his life, you know, took his own life as, you know, due to some of the symptoms. Numerous of players have. Numerous has. players yeah. have. Yeah, but uh, Seau, Seau, Seau was like just the, the most. The, the big name. Yeah. Yeah. Jun- you know, is Junior Seau going to become like the NFL's Caminetti? Or like, is the NFL going to see the writing on the wall like, like baseball did? Are, this, are these situations... In, in any way similar or am, I, or am I way off here? No, I think I think you're probably onto something. Uh, I mean, I think what you're talking about here is that is this particular period going to be an inflection point for the NFL like the early 2000s were for baseball? And obviously there's no way for us to know the answer until the future, but yeah, I think maybe five, 10 years from now, we're gonna look back and say, yeah, that's when things started to change, you know, starting with guys like, like Seau. Yeah, and it's sad that it's, it has to get to that level before real change gets in there. But um, I'm I'm a little more worried. Maybe this is when StatMuse NFL launches. Uh, hopefully, we're we're aiming for the before the NFL season starts. August, uh, aiming for August. My, my good friend Justin Cabaco here is working working tirelessly on it. But I'm worried about the NFL because, like with baseball, this was an aberration of the norm, right? And so it was. It's easier to fix something that, when it's just gotten out of control and away from the original intent. With football, you know, players bashing their heads against things is kind of part and parcel for the game. Like that's kind of what it is. Baseball didn't have to make any major changes to the essence of the game. Just kind of had to get people to stop putting, you know, putting needles in their asses. Football, you may you may be looking at having to change the entire the entire essence of the games. But maybe that's something we can get into later. But I do I do think that Ken Caminetti's death maybe is or his confession and his death are not are not given the due that they should be in, in baseball history. And 
to me, like his whistle, his status as a whistleblower helped bring about the the end of the steroids era. It was the beginning of the end of the steroids era. And if anything, I want I'd like to see him given more credit for that than Jose Canseco. Because Jose Canseco just just seems like an asshole, and I don't want him getting credit for. No, we were talking earlier about decisions being made for book. money. That's he's the poster boy for that. Yeah, Ken Caminetti didn't do it. Well, he didn't get any money out of it. He didn't do it for money. He did it. We don't know. That's the, we don't know why he did it. Maybe that's what brings even more to it. Maybe his his friends and family know, but he didn't tell um, SI. This is why. I'm, this is why I'm doing it. I. It didn't seem like he had any intent to be a martyr or to be a hero, and maybe that sometimes that can be the real, uh, the real bar that's set for people who are actual heroes. But who knows? As with any good story, a lot of times it just it exists in this weird gray area, and we could try to force it into black or white. But I don't think Ken Caminetti fell anywhere anywhere close to that and that's why to me he's an interesting story and that's why we chose to cover him for our first major league baseball podcast here at stat stories so thank you very much for listening i hope that our nba audience found this in some way entertaining that you're going to keep on listening even though we might not be talking about basketball if you're new if you're new to us because you like baseball welcome we're glad to have as many as possible so please be sure and hit up our blog at blog.statnews.com we'll embed some stat news searches and some other content give you a little bit more idea of the sources that we use for this podcast things like that also you can hit us up at twitter at stat news or me personally at chad j shanks Justin at a at Jake Batco. Let us know what you thought. If we if we didn't do very well, let us know. We want to get better. If you loved it, we love compliments. So hit us up and tell us how great we are. Because someone has to tell me how great I am, Justin. Someone has to. Because it's not. It's never going to be you. No, you're going to keep waiting for that one. All right. Thank you for listening. That's the end of this episode. We'll see you next time on Stat Stories. <laughs>